And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Luke chapter 18, verse 7 and 8. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would um, bless and use my words this morning to build us up in the knowledge of your character and your goodness towards us. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. First, I just want to explain the mechanism of the parable because it's one of the strange parables of contrast. There's a few of them. We heard one a few weeks ago, the parable of the dishonest manager. There's a few others. Um, But the way it works is Jesus is teaching, look, if even wicked people do this, right, how much more will the good God do it for you? And so here, even if an unrighteous judge, a crooked judge, a corrupt judge, gives into petition eventually, how much more does one who is uncorrupt and uncrooked and good, how much more will he heed our petitioning? It's a parable of contrast. And there's a delightful detail that I'd never caught until uh, this week in preparing for and rehearing the scripture this week. I wonder if, you've, um, if it's caught your ear before um, when Jesus is giving voice to the judge in the parable he says, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Um, the Greek there is actually even more violent. It could be translated beat black and blue. So it's like, ah, I, so I'm not beaten, uh, you know, so I'm not beaten up by this widow. And it adds a touch of comedy to the picture that Jesus is telling, right? Like, here's a judge who is very powerful in society, has enormous amounts of social capital, and here's a widow who has none of those things. And he's saying, like, oh, I hope I don't get beaten up by this little old lady. And I think that sort of absurdity of that image and that, that he would frame it that way is part of the theological picture, right? That, like, we can't hurt God. Hey, we, we can, he, can ha- he can handle anything we bring to him in prayer. And yet, by his mercy... He makes our petitioning strong, like as if he's like, oh, okay, well, I'll give in. And of course, he doesn't have to. It's out of his benevolence. But I think the comedy of that picture is striking. So if this teaching is true, it suggests the question to my heart, why don't we make more petitions? Why don't we make more requests of God? Jesus Um, prompts us to the answering of that question when he ties in um, faith at the very end. It's not a disjunctive uh, statement when he says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Because faith and petitioning in prayer um, exist in a sort of circular relationship. If we have faith, we'll bring petitions, and bringing petitions strengthens our faith, and they kind of exist in a circular way. That if... um, uh, faith, and I don't mean kind of as like a permanent state, but in some season is weak, uh, is diminished, either in God's reality, in which case we wouldn't bring anything to him, or in his power, whether he's truly capable of doing this, or lack of faith in his goodness, that uh, in his benevolence he does want the good things 
that the scripture has revealed are his desire. When our faith is weak, our, our petitioning uh, is, it goes unsupported, is unprompted, less prompted, I should say. But then similarly, because it's a circular relationship, and when we practice disciplines of prayer, it strengthens faith. And that's part of why I think it's so um, meaningful that the Anglican way of being a Christian, we get handed these patterns of prayer, the Psalms, the prayer book, the Our Father, these things that, well, regardless of how I'm feeling, sort of experience, how, how much I'm experiencing faith or not, I'm going to pray these petitions. I'm going to say the prayers of the people along with when we pray them. I'm going to pray the Great Litany. I'm going to pray in Our Father. And in the act of praying in this circular relationship, we strengthen our faith because we're reminded sort of like um, almost like a muscle memory. Like, oh, yes, it's to God I need to bring these needs. And I think um, we also then have a gentle rebuke in the picture of the parable of this very persistent widow. Um, A gentle rebuke of our lack of fervor sometimes uh, and our lack of patience sometimes because the fervency of the widow um, highlights my own lack of fervency in petitioning that I'll pray something a few times and then just kind of give up and when I hear the description of the widow who, um, who comes continually right, kind of echoes the teaching about prayer generally in the New Testament right? always in everything bring your, let your petitions be made known to God with thanksgiving in Jesus' own words, his elect who've cried out to him day and night. I think I can probably count on two hands the number of petitions where I've cried out day and night asking for the Lord to answer it. And I say that with regret. And as for perseverance, I mean, I'm sorry, patience. The Lord concludes this parable by referencing his second coming. Did you catch that? Right When the Son of Man comes. His second coming, because he's, of course he's already there. He's talking about the second coming. And um, I think it takes a little bit of thought to think, what's the connection here? Why, why does the second coming come up here um, at the end of this parable? And it's actually in Luke in a section where Jesus is talking a lot about the second coming. Just the chapter before is the, when Jesus explains about the second coming with a picture of like two people will be working in a field and one taken and the other left. Um, the connection, I think, is more visible if we sort of zoom out on the topic of prayer. And if you think about it, every petition that we would bring to God um, that is a rightful petition, one that he will answer, one that is in keeping with his will, that's prayed in his name, they all fall under the sort of the top category of uh, thy kingdom come. Right? The kingdom of God is the kingdom in which all good things are brought out and all wickedness is put away. The kingdom of God. So when we pray in the Our Father, thy kingdom come, Every other petition is a a subset of that larger request. And that request of his kingdom coming isn't fully answered until Christ comes again, right? And his kingdom is visibly established permanently and forever. And the demons are cast into the lake of fire and the new heavens and the new earth will exist forever. So we're waiting for the final and full answer to our chief prayer for the second coming. And if you think about it, all smaller petitions, um, even when God answers them in a a way we see in sort of a a short time span, it's a provisional and temporary answering until the second coming. Because if you are sick and you pray for healing and you're healed, glory to God. 
but we're going to get sick again and die, right? The arch problem of death and decay isn't solved until Christ comes again and the resurrection of the dead and the new heavens and the new earth. So everything is not yet complete until the second coming. That's why the second coming comes in here. So I think also the Lord is wanting us to sort of have faith for a larger view of the answering of our prayers, right? On the on this time scale of the cosmos, which right now doesn't feel speedily. I think when the Lord says he will give justice speedily, we take that by faith because it doesn't feel speedily, right? When we pray year after year for sometimes for the same things and they're not answered. It's like, it doesn't feel speedily. But when the second coming has come, and our minds are fully transformed into the mind of Christ, and our participation in the divine nature is complete. That's the language from Peter's letter. I think then it will, then in hindsight, feel speedily. In the same way that for God, he says, uh, for God, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. When we have a participation in his timelessness, even as we will always remain creatures, we will then know by knowledge what we now take by faith, that the Lord, you will bring this justice speedily. Then a picture that, um, the nearest thing I think of for sort of a human analogy we have for how something can feel slow on the front end and then feels like no, no, not really a long time on the back end is um, the picture of being engaged prior to being married. Right? That engagement period feels like it's interminable, but then after a few years of marriage, you're like, wait, that felt like a long time? I think similarly, it will be when the Lord comes again. Um, the last point I want to bring out in connection to this parable is just to remind us all, too, of how it is that we get a hearing with the judge. Right? The sort of the theological truth within and behind the parable um, is that if it wasn't for Christ's death and resurrection, we would never get a hearing with the judge. We've already been sentenced. Right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The case is already closed. We would, have no, we would not have the judge's ear. But because, as we, as we conclude very appropriately at the end of the prayers of the people, our, our only mediator and advocate, Jesus Christ. The biblical word advocate is the word for lawyer. The law, we have a lawyer who's actually interceding, who, who has an incredible relationship with the judge. Right? He's his own son. This analogy doesn't work according to some of the rules of fairness of contemporary law and recusal, but forget that for a second. We have one who's advocating for us that we are, in the picture, we are like the plaintiff who actually had, did, did great offense to the judge. But the one who's advocating for us is coming and bringing our petitions to the judge, bringing our petitions to God the Father. St. Augustine uses the picture that before we are in Christ by faith and baptism, our prayers sort of bounce, mostly bounce off the ceiling of heaven. But in Christ, he says, it's, imagine actually ascending to the highest heaven where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and crawling into the lap of your heavenly Father and whispering your petition into his ear. That's what prayer is like. Because... Jesus has reconciled us to the Father with his own blood shed on the cross. 
So that's a really necessary piece to remember. It's kind of in the midst of the parable that the way in which we are able to even to, to wear out God in the picture of the parable is because we have an audience. We have his ear because of Christ Jesus and for no other reason. <coughs> All glory to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.